Welcome to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek and Happy Christmas Eve or Merry Christmas Eve. I'm not really ever sure what you're supposed to say, but hope you're able to enjoy some time with the family, friends this weekend as the Saints get ready for their Monday night football game against the Miami Dolphins. And of course, be safe about it. We'll have Miami Herald writer Greg Cody on today to break down the fish. But first, let's break down the first injury report ahead of the game because with it came several additions to the reserve COVID list. Guard James Carpenter, linebacker Caden Ellis, safety Jeff Heath, defensive end Jalen Holmes, safety Malcolm Jenkins, tackle Jordan Mills, defensive tackle Christian Ringo, and quarterbacks Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill were all added to the list. So, yes, that does seem like it will be Ian Book time. Those names that I just mentioned join tight ends Adam Troutman and Jawan Johnson, who were placed on the COVID-19 reserve list earlier this week. So it is a lot of people. However, game is still on. Things are moving forward. It's the next man up. That's kind of what we've been doing all season. Due to those upticks in covid positives people getting added to the list the saints didn't practice on thursday so instead they held all their meetings virtually and the actual injury report that came out yesterday afternoon was an estimation of player participation so on the actual injury list it was tackles teron armstead and ryan ramchek both non-participants if there was to be a practice on Thursday, they would have not participated. Defensive end Marcus Davenport and wide receiver Traquan Smith were listed as limited, and safety Marcus Williams was a full participant. He was dealing with a shoulder injury. In some good news, however, the Saints had four players selected to represent them in the 2022 Pro Bowl in Las Vegas. Defensive back JT Gray, he was named a special team starter. Defensive end Cameron Jordan, running back Alvin Kamara, and cornerback Marshawn Lattimore. You can read more about all of those players and the accolades that they have achieved over the years and their stats from this season on our website, neworleansaints.com. Now for today's guest, let's bring in Greg Cody. Greg, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. You doubted me. You didn't think that I knew how to pronounce your name. It is Greg Cody, and you are on the one and only Greg Cody podcast featuring Greg Cody. Of course, everybody knows that. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I, I never like to assume anything because uh, my, my last name has been mispronounced so many ways over the years. Uh, n- not so much lately, but uh, earlier in my life. So thank you. Well, I appreciate you. Yes, you are on the Greg Cody show, but you're also on the Dan Levitard show with Stu Gotts. You did leave that part of it out when you told me That's about true. It. I left out Stu Gotts. You're right. Sorry, but- Stu. Thank you for joining me today. How are you doing this week? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, Christmas is here and my shopping is almost done, so it's all good. Good. Well, we want to break down this Monday night football matchup with the Dolphins. This is a team that has changed drastically since the start of the season. They started one and seven, and now they've won their last six straight. What has been the difference from the beginning of the season to how they've been playing lately? I think the big difference has been the defense. Um, At the beginning of the year, nobody could figure it out because last year the Dolphins' defense was really good. It was like top five good, and they were just awful uh, at the beginning of the year. And then something clicked, and and they've begun to be the team that we saw uh, last year defensively. They're a very aggressive defense. Uh, I think their blitz rate is is in the top three in the league. Uh, They really bring the pressure. It'll be interesting to see 
um, how they do against New Orleans because, um, you know, going against a, a dual threat quarterback and stuff like that. But I think right now it's defense and it's Tua has been playing better. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, the, the quarterback, he didn't do particularly well in the last game, but he had been on a real streak, particularly his accuracy is through the roof. And so I think the quarterback play really picked up and the defense really picked up. With Tua, do you think it was just him having to get comfortable playing at this level and a new system? I think so, yeah. Uh, the, the, the offensive line um, in front of them has gotten pretty consistent. Uh, they've had basically the same four starters uh, for the five most of the year. Um, they've been consistent. The ground game has picked up. Uh, they don't have any marquee running back, but collectively – uh, they just had their best game of the year um, last week. And so I think Tua's reached a comfort level. And um, what's more impressive about that is that he hasn't had his full complement of receivers. Uh, Devontae Parker's missed a lot of games. Will Fuller has been non-existent with injuries. Um, and Jalen Waddell, the great rookie, missed the previous game. But despite all of that, uh, Tua's done really well. And, and the defense has done really well. And most importantly, they're winning the games that they should win. Uh, you recall during the, the downtime, the first half of the season, they lost to Jacksonville. I mean, they were not winning games they should win. And now they are. It, you know, a lot of people, you can say their six-game winning streak hasn't been that impressive because five of the games were against uh, teams that they should have beaten. The, the only real marquee win was over Baltimore. But that's something different for this team. To win the games that you should win has uh, been sort of a revelation down here. I can't scoff at getting a good win over the Jets and helping your, your season because that's exactly what the Saints were able to do. It was what broke our losing streak. So right. take what we can get, especially since we've been dealing with a lot of injuries and a lot of different personnel as well. You mentioned not having the playmakers as far as receivers go. What about some of the backs that you've had? Duke Johnson kind of stepped up and had a big game last week. Yeah, he did. And, and that was so big for him because he's, he's an, an old Miami hurricane and he was back in his home stadium and, you know, he was hearing the chant uh, Duke, you know, which is music to his ears. And, and he was all smiles after the game and, and talking about uh, how that delighted him. Uh, he had a great game. Uh, Miles Gaskin has been a, you know, a pretty solid back. So, um, but Duke provided a real lift uh, because he hadn't even been on the active roster. He'd been on the practice squad and they elevated him because of some of these other situations. So he really stepped up and, um, and, and that's been a big thing because they haven't really had a ground game all year. And if they can sustain that and, and have sort of a balanced offense that, that, that will help uh, Tua uh, immensely. Facing the saints, they're obviously really good against the run what are they going to need to do to be effective in this game Monday? Well, I think they're going to have to, you know, if, if the saints uh, game plan to stop the run two is going to have to throw the ball and, and he's going to have Waddle back. Uh, Parker is healthy, uh, but they need to show a deep threat. Uh, my criticism with the dolphins is that their offense has been very conservative uh, they threw a lot of slants, uh, a lot of quick outs to the side where the receiver gets the ball in space and they're counting on him to juke past a couple of defensive backs. And that doesn't always work. You know, sometimes you have to take shots downfield. 
Um, Mike Gusecki, their tight end, is is tantamount to a wide receiver. Uh, he he's one of their deep threats, believe it or not. So I think that's what they're going to have to do against the Saints is is be able to throw the ball downfield. You mentioned that the defense has stepped up. Who are some of the playmakers on that side of the ball? Well, the the cornerbacks, uh, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, have been really strong. Uh, Christian Wilkins, the defensive tackle, has had um, uh, the season of his young career. He's he's been great. He's really stepped up. Uh, last week, he, he he's a 310-pound man who not only caught a touchdown pass, but did a Lambo leap into the stands, which is pretty <laughs> remarkable. Uh, so he's been great. Uh, Jerome Baker, the linebacker, has been great. Um, uh, Javon Holland, the rookie safety, has really uh, been a revelation. He's been terrific. And, and so they've, they've had a lot of playmakers, and, and they – you know, they don't have the one marquee sack guy who's who's among league leaders or anything, but they have four or five guys uh, with their blitz package who can reach the quarterback. And, and I think that's going to be particularly interesting to see against a, an offense like the Saints, um, how they how they do with their blitz uh, scheme. Head coach Brian Flores in his third year there with the with. I was going to say the Hurricanes, but the Dolphins, Miami. How have you seen him progress and what he's trying to implement there? Well, you know, when he came in, um, there was all this talk about changing the culture. And, and that's sort of a cliche with a new coach. They all say that because if the culture was great, you don't make a coaching change. Uh, but I think in Flores's case, he really has. Uh, the, the players love him. He's, he's really earned the respect of, of the locker room. Uh, you know, the knock against Flores is that his team start off very slow, like this season. This was not an anomaly where you start slow and then you, you finish strong. It's fine to finish strong, but starting slow is a problem. It's probably what's going to cost them the playoffs this year because teams just don't excavate out of a one and seven start to make the playoffs. It's literally never happened. And the Dolphins, if they win two of the next two of the last three, I think they actually have a chance to make history. Uh, but but the Saints are, are probably going to be their toughest game of this streak other than Baltimore. They're a three-point underdog coming into the Superdome on Monday night. That atmosphere, the primetime game, you know, how does that affect the team and maybe their mentality coming in? Um, it's hard to say because the Dolphins – uh, don't appear in prime time a lot lately. Uh, they actually, uh, people might be surprised. The Dolphins have actually made more Monday night football appearances than any team. This is their 86th overall, but uh, not that many lately. So it's hard to gauge how they're going to perform in prime time, but they're definitely going to be up, up for this game. And um, it, it's going to be a huge challenge that, that I think they're ready for. Um, you know, I, I think, the, the three games left uh, at New Orleans, at Tennessee against old uh, old friend Ryan Tannehill and then home against New England, who they beat in the opener. I really think the Dolphins do have a good shot to to win two of the last three and uh, and maybe eke into a, a playoff spot. But it all starts uh, in, in New Orleans Monday night. That's for sure. Yeah. New Orleans is trying to do the same thing, trying to solidify a playoff spot. And it's kind of what you can control at this point. It's your own games and your play on the field. But looking back on your career covering the NFL, have you ever seen a season like this where there's so many teams that are still in play this late? It's crazy. The, the parity in this league uh, 
it, it seems like everywhere you look, a, a team is eight and six or seven and seven. Uh, nobody has dominated. Everybody is in it. Uh, very few teams, uh, you know, Houston, Jacksonville, uh, Detroit. Other than that, it seems like everybody has a shot. And so um, I've never seen this this kind of parody. And as somebody who um, in public tries to predict games every week in the Miami Herald, it's, it's been sort of sobering to uh, try to make sense of this league because every week there, there are two or three results that are just dumbfounding. Um, including Tampa Bay losing nine nothing a, a few days ago, so it's been uh, it's been a crazy league. And a microcosm of that is is the team in Miami going from one and seven to a six game winning streak, which has never happened. So it's just yeah, it's been a, an exciting, bizarre season to say the least. What surprised you most about that nine and oh win by the Saints over Tampa Bay? Anybody humbling Tom Brady like that is always a shock. Um, now, granted, some of Brady's weapons were injured. Uh, he, he wasn't at full strength in terms of his arsenal, but I was just so impressed by that defense um, every which way. I mean, I didn't expect the result. Uh, you know, Tampa, all six home games this season, they had scored more than 30 points. Nobody shuts out Tampa Bay. Uh, nobody humbles that team, particularly at home. And for the Saints to do that, um, in a way, it made Brian Flores' job easier because after that game, he, he didn't need to, to try to do a rah-rah speech and convince his team that the Saints were a tough opponent. It, it's right there on film. It's right there in result. So um, that made his job easier this week, I think. Is Flores a, a rah-rah kind of guy? Does he really give some passionate speeches? You know what? I wish I knew because he is the dullest guy <laughs> in NFL history to the media after a game. Uh, when you watch the first minute of a Brian Flores postgame talk, you have no idea whether he has just suffered a devastating loss or just won the biggest game of his life. His, he is so even keeled. I wish it were different because I like an emotional coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he is so even keeled and, and so neutral uh, that it, it's sort of maddening to me. He's not a great quote uh, from my perspective, but uh, the players love him. Uh, I think when he's not in front of the media, he shows a lot of uh, a lot more emotion than we get to see. How have you seen this game, the NFL in general, change over your time there covering sports, covering football? Um. The seismic change obviously was the, 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 the passing, the evolution to a pass first league where, you know, you look at the breakdown now and, and the teams, it, it's so rare to see a team that is truly balanced, a team that almost runs as much as it passes. Sure. Um, I think that the Titans probably were like that, particularly before Derrick Henry went out, but very few teams actually have that balance. Um, and so that's been the, the biggest change by far is, is the idea that, if you don't have a, an elite quarterback, chances are you're not doing much. And, and, and that's one of the conundrums in Miami down here is that we're still trying to figure out two seasons in whether two is that guy, whether, uh, whether he's a quarterback who can not only be pretty good, I think we've seen right now, he's going to be a pretty good quarterback. He can start in this league, but is, is he going to rise a step? Is he going to uh, become that quarterback that really excites you? Uh, the quarterback who can come from two touchdowns down uh, and we don't quite know that yet about him 
around here, people have kind of had this, I, I don't know, the whether we should tank and try to get a draft pick or whether we should really try to push through and get into the playoffs, this whole back and forth argument. Where do you stand on that when you're you're kind of close? Which way would you would you want to go? You know, I don't like the idea of tanking. Um, I, the only time I, I like the idea of tanking is if, if you are certain to have the number one draft pick and if you need a quarterback, and there's a quarterback worth taking number one. I think that's the exception. Um, but, you know, the Saints aren't bad enough to tank properly. You know <laughs> what I mean? They've already yeah. won too many games to, to be a classic tanker. So, um, no, I would, uh, I would play to win. Well, we're definitely going to play to win Monday night. Uh, any keys, predictions for that game? Um, that's a very good question, and I'm not dodging here, but it's early in the week for me to – predict a, a, a Monday night game. I haven't fully researched it yet. The inclination is to pick uh, the end of Miami's losing streak, uh, winning streak. I think uh, I've been in the Superdome a few times. Uh, love New Orleans, by the way, just absolutely love it. Um, one of my favorite cities. Uh, I'm inclined to think that's such a tough venue on, mm -hmm. a, on a big Monday night stage. The Dolphins are so due to stumble that uh, the inclination right now is is to pick uh, the Saints to win. But that could change as I research the game more and, and time goes on. How weird is it to be playing a game around Christmas? I know sometimes, obviously, the game is on Christmas Day and that changes things for the players. But having to just manage that and the family time and the expectations of the holidays and still focus on a game. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't think players and coaches prefer it, honestly, but it's become such a common thing, uh, particularly in the NBA. I think they've got like six Christmas games yeah. or something in a row. Uh, um, so Hopefully it's just depending on COVID. Yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah. Between the resurgence of, of COVID and, and, and the holiday, it, it's tough. It's tough to play uh, I think on Christmas, but it's also exciting. Uh, this game is, is obviously um, uh, later, but uh, it, it's, Sure, going to be interesting. The Dol—it's probably the Dolphins' third biggest game of the year after the opener at New England and and the totally unexpected win over the Ravens, who'd been a team that uh, just manhandled Miami the last several times they met. So this game, for me, when you include the Monday stage and, and the opponent and the the atmosphere, uh, I think this game is is definitely a marquee game for Miami. Absolutely, I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for giving us some insight on the Dolphins and have a great Christmas. Thank you for spending Christmas Eve with us on the podcast. And Anytime. we'll just hope for a fun game Monday night. Yes, I have a feeling we'll get one. I, I just hope for a close game because uh, it's uh, it, it could be rough. <laughs> All right, close game. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks so much to Greg for joining us on the podcast today. Christmas Eve special edition really appreciate him putting aside some time this holiday season. If you're heading to the game on Monday, do not forget it is a blackout at the Dome. The players are wearing all black. They want you to join for the primetime matchup. In fact, we want you to wear all black all day on Monday. It's going to be a blackout across town. We want everybody to be amped up for this Monday night football game. want to give a nod to Terminix 
locally owned for over 70 years they'll fix your pest and termite problems they have effective solutions that will help to eliminate pest problems throughout the year their custom treatments adapt to the season to address seasonal pest activity to protect your home and business all year long they provide residential and commercial pest and termite control services for the south shore north shore and river parishes of louisiana protect your home with terminix That is it for today's edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast. I'm Erin Summers. Thanks for joining me. Merry Christmas, and as always, go Saints.